This is the No More Wasted Days podcast, and we're your hosts, Sarah Kaufman Bradstreet and Heather PG. Grab your favorite NA drink and listen as we share vulnerable stories so you never feel alone on your alcohol-free journey. And gain insights from us as we break down our most used tips and strategies that have kept us alcohol-free. It's time to break free from wasting any more of your days to the drinking blackout hangover cycle. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the No More Wasted Days podcast. I'm Sarah. I'm Heather. Welcome back. And we're pumped to dive into today's topic. That was a tongue twister. My goodness. Heather's actually going to be talking a lot today about communication and how you can do it in a nonviolent way, but also just a healthy way with people in your life. And I think this is huge because I didn't know how to communicate with people. I still have a hard time with this. And I'm really excited to hear all this information. But as a drinker, my communication levels were very, very low. And it's something I've had to relearn how to do. So thank you, Heather, for putting this topic together today. Sure thing. And before we really dive into the meat of the call, I want to let everybody know that enrollment is open to my Try January 30-Day Alcohol-Free Challenge. This year, we're going to be helping you start the new year with a new mindset and help you really unlock your true potential in 30 days when you ditch alcohol. When you do a challenge like this with me, you get 30 daily videos, 30 daily emails, and then a workbook that will help you be guided through those daily videos and a journal that helps you reset your mindset and start seeing yourself as a non-drinker. And lastly, there's an online community where you can comment below each video and interact with the other members. Heather actually started her alcohol-free journey with one of my 30-day challenges. I did. One of the best decisions I've ever made. And maybe a week or two in, I was like, okay, I think I can do this. And I need community support. And I found your videos to be so helpful. And I could watch them whenever I needed to, watch them a couple times. And then, you know, when I joined at the Daymakers community and started hearing other people's stories and got the confidence up to share on the calls, It was truly life-changing. And Heather's on our calls, too. It's just a great place to meet with us and get to know other people who are on the exact same journey as you, because I know that that was something I felt like I was all alone. We'll put the link into the comments for that and check it out. Be sure to ask us any questions. You can hop into either one of our social media accounts and just say, hey, tell me more about this challenge. We're an open book with it. So we hope to see you there. Definitely. All right. Before we really, really dive in now, Heather had something interesting happen last night. And I had this light bulb moment where I went, man, if Heather would have been a drinker when this happened, it would have been a whole different thing. Yeah. You want to tell us about it? I do. So my spouse was driving home from work late night, about eight o'clock. That's late for me. I was on a meeting for my coaching business. And after I got off the meeting, I noticed I had a lot of missed calls and texts and She hit a deer and she's okay. The car is totaled. And I am so glad I was able to be sober so that I could triage, be supportive, help make some decisions. I mean, the car was not drivable on the side of the road, like a really twisty, turny, windy Mm. road in the country. And had I had to go get her, I would have gotten my daughter up and been able to drive and do so. My best friend was actually able to meet her at the tow truck company and get her here at 1 a.m. So I'm just so thankful that I was able to be present and not in that reactive 
poor communication phase with her or the folks I was speaking to. I was able to calmly, externally, okay, if I'm being honest, articulate and I remember and I could have easily used that as an excuse to have had booze delivered to my house. Oh, yeah, right? Mm -hmm. Just like take away this stress momentarily, as we all know, with alcohol. Yeah. But whenever those late night things happen, I always think, thank God I wasn't drinking. Yeah. And it was one of those things when I was a drinker, I was like, oh, you really shouldn't drink because what if something happens in the evening and you need to take care of it? But it wasn't enough to make me stop at that point. Yeah. But now whenever, like we've had an incident where our dog had to go to a hot, the pet hospital late at night, things where when your kids are waking up sick in the middle of the night, everything's just better yes. without alcohol. And those huge life emergencies, you're just able to be level-headed yeah. and kind of go, okay, we can figure this out. It's not a perfect situation, but we have to get through it. Yeah. So I'm really glad Martha's okay. Me those deer, too. what is their deal? Yeah. It's just where we live. I'm like, I'll see him and I'll be like, oh my God, you stay where you are. I'm staying where I am. Right. Scary. And, you know, this morning I was tired. We were up late. I felt that probably emotional hangover. And yet I was not hungover and remember everything and was, like I said, as calm, you know, as you can be when something like that happens. So that is a huge And able to hop on and record with us too. Because I was like, Heather, do you want to reschedule and just record two next week? Because that sounds crazy. Yeah. (laughs) This is happy. This makes me happy. So that's... I know. It always pumps me up, too. So I'm pumped to dive into this topic because I feel like I need it. Like, I'm kind (laughs) of like, all right, Heather, you get to deliver and give me all the information. So I'll let you dive in. All right. So basically, this is about healthy communication. It's just a brief overview. There's tons of books and other things on this topic. It's commonly known as nonviolent communication. I don't like that name very much, so we're just going to go with healthy communication. So our brains like to know what to expect, good, bad, or indifferent. And when emotions escalate, it's difficult to find a resolution or even the beginning of a possible resolve. And if y'all are listening thinking, what does this have to do with being alcohol-free? If you'll go back to the Feeling Your Feelings episode, you know, a lot of this stuff is brand new for some of us. And it's not something that's taught in schools or in college. It's just not. And, you know, when we're in super high emotions like anger, if we're really high energy, excited, or low energy, sad, mad, shame, We can shut down and whatever our go-to is can become our baseline. And a lot of times we don't even know it. That's kind of what I've noticed after quitting drinking, starting to just recognize these things in myself. And and especially after I quit drinking, because like you were saying, it's just like you, it's kind of like you're being reborn again. And I know that's pretty, that's like kind of dramatic Mm -hmm. in a really good way. But then there's all this other stuff where yeah. you have to go, oh, my God, I have to I have to remember how to deal with my emotions. And that's probably not something if you were lucky, you were brought up by parents that helped you learn how to do that. But then maybe you forgot because you're so busy being the caretaker for everybody else. And right. when you're a drinker, you're drinking just to shut off your brain at the end of the night. And now all of a sudden your brain is going. Yeah. So. I was in a coaching session last night and I was talking to my client about how or we were talking about how. Being new to alcohol-free is like being a baby. So that's uh, saying reborn. That's a good way to look at it. 
I noticed my baseline is shutting down or, you know, being angry and walking off, almost using walking off as being avoidant. As I read through the notes, I was thinking, what is my baseline, especially when I feel confronted? And it's definitely to shut down. I cannot think well on my toes when the adrenaline is coursing through my body. Yeah. So it's easier for me to just kind of stand there almost deer in a headlights look (laughs) and just be like, oh my gosh, I don't know how to react to this. And definitely walking off and muttering about the other person, just like, oh, they don't even know. There's a lot of me always walking off and saying what I need to say Mm -hmm. instead of actually saying it. Yeah, I think it's a good idea to walk off if you're temperamental like me and kind of pop to anger first. I think that's helpful. But if you notice it's a pattern and you're like, okay, I need to learn how to maybe work on some of this stuff. I hope this helps. And when when you're communicating with someone, it could be your partner, your boss, your uncle, pay attention to your body sensations. I think those are big signals to feeling the feelings. Just pay attention and notice that. And look for communication stoppers. And what that means is, what are you saying to stop the communication? Or what are you doing? Are you defensive, critical, sarcastic, walking away, keeping score, whether out loud or inside, or eye-rolling, questioning, stonewalling, which basically just means putting a wall up, a stonewall up, ignoring, Mm -hmm. bringing up the past. You know, well, 10 years ago, you said that I was semantics. And I really like this one because I do this, you know, asking someone to define the word like, oh, well, could you define that? Oh, is that what that really means? And kind of in a snarky way. Mm -hmm. And I think it's good to ask clarifying questions and get context. But is your intention to do that? Or are you just trying to break down the semantic just to be confrontational? You know, check your intention behind that. And then there's tattling. And that could be if it's, say, a friend, go into another friend and be like, well, such and such said, or go into your mother-in-law to tell on your spouse kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. So many of these, I'm like, oh, I can see it in this area. I can see it in this area. One area I'm really struggling right now is with my kids. Like I have noticed with them when it is hard to parent them, I shut down. Mm-hmm. I don't like that in me, but I also don't want to yell at them. Right. I don't want to be angry. I don't want to be, you know, I, it's kind of that when I'm seeing red, I just don't say anything at all. And then yeah. I never come back and resolve it. I never come back and work on it. And a lot of it is like my kids are almost 13. I don't know how that happened. I have twins. So when I say both of them, they are both 13 or about to turn. And I remember being that age and it was really hard. So I I am always trying to come at them with like loving, loving arms and just trying to help them and they don't want it. And then that makes me shut down. And I'm just kind of like, they don't even want my advice. I'm not even going to try anymore. So listening to you say all this, I'm like, yes. And the tattling thing, that is huge. I talk about that a lot with my two kids because one of them will say, well, don't you think that about the other one? I'm like, I I'm not going to talk about any either of my kids to either of my kids. They both kind of know that. But sometimes I feel like we think the tattling thing is helping us work it out. And it's really just making it worse because even my husband will stop me sometimes when I am going on and on about our kids. And he'll be like, you're not helping anything right now. Like yeah. we need to kind of come to an agreement as parents on how we're going to handle this. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely a difference between venting and tattling. 
And it's hard to see that line. It's hard to notice and kind of go, oh, and I don't like it when people shut me down and tell me that I'm at this point, you're basically gossiping or tattling. And I'm like, okay, well, thanks for the reminder. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think that I do all of them, honestly. And I think a lot of us do. And Mm -hmm. I think that's human nature, how we were brought up, you know, what we learned worked for us to get our needs met in our early years and in our 20s and, you know. I think it's very, very common. Yeah. I think, too, like when you are going back to the past, which is very, very easy to do. Again, our brains like to know what to expect. We're just past-oriented in a lot of ways. I want y'all to ask yourself, how does this affect me today? If you're a scorekeeper or a grudge holder, when you're talking about, well, you used to drink a lot when you were 30. Okay. Yeah. What does that have to do with today in the here and now? Yeah. You know, how does this affect today? And communication is a two-way street. So if you're communicating with someone that does a lot of these things, this is for you too. It's, it's I like to orient things back to self because, in a, I mean, that's really the only thing we can control. Mm-hmm. But, you know, just pay attention. And if somebody's constantly throwing up the past, which happens a lot, we drink a lot in our past, they maybe just think about, Okay, how does this affect today? So you're kind of saying, too, it's it's somebody's pointing out your past drinking, but they're almost saying, this is how you are. This is how you used to be. You used to do this and yada, yada, yada type things, really throwing that blame on you. Yeah, I think this is a place to exercise a lot of caution because the other person could have very valid feelings that they need to unpack with their own private practitioner and vice versa. And if you're getting in a conversation early on your journey, I don't know if it's the best idea because I wouldn't want it to trigger a relapse. And this is a topic that can bring up a lot of guilt, shame. A lot of times, maybe we don't remember what we said or did. So be Mm -hmm. real careful around that and protect your alcohol-free life, in my opinion, above all things. Yeah. And it's really hard for those that are close to us and knew us most as a drinker Mm -hmm. to suddenly see this change in us and believe that it's real. Because relapse is a big thing. It happens to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And that's what other people may be expecting to see as much as we're in our hearts going, no, this is real this time. I've changed. So that's why I'm always telling people, too, it's our actions. It's yeah. putting those days together for people so they really do start to go, oh, it is a change. And I think sometimes we feel like, oh, we've changed so fast. You know, mm-hmm. 30 days is a great starting point. And a lot of times at the end of 30 days, 60 days, we're like, oh my gosh, look at me. I'm a new person. That's not really very long in your life, right? I know it's a huge accomplishment mm-hmm. in the alcohol-free world. Huge. I'm not trying to downplay that. But to others watching, they may be going, that's not very long. Like you couldn't have changed that much in that much time. So we also have to give other people grace in that area. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And their brain likes to know what to expect also. And yeah, yeah, that can be really sticky. So be careful. Yeah. And and another thing that I kind of noted when you were talking about past within the notes, I was kind of looking at it as a different way, too. And in these past six months, probably not that long, you guys, I have dipped my my pinky finger, the tip of it into the world of internal family systems. And just trying to learn more about that through listening to podcasts and audiobooks. So I'm not a therapist, not a professional, but that is kind of looking at those past parts of you that are still very alive in you and working. I know Heather has much more experience in this, but 
looking at my past self and kind of going, why do I react to people this way? Why do I feel like I need to make everybody happy? Why do I feel like everybody's mad at me? And when I really start looking back, it'll come to me and I'll be like, it's this feeling. And I will get a very clear picture of me at a certain age and kind of go, oh, it's teenage Sarah. Oh my gosh, that's like five-year-old Sarah. And for some reason, I've carried this memory around. And this might be why, because this part of me is still working all the time to protect me. And I've started exploring with talking to those parts and kind of saying, hey, you don't need to work as hard as you used to anymore. I think I've got this now. So if that's something that you want to explore more, or if Heather wants to talk about it a little bit too, but definitely when I think about my past past and bringing it into my drinking life, because I think for a long time too, I was, people would go, why did you drink? What caused you to drink? And I was like, I, have, I don't know. Like, I had a good life. I had this, I had that. So when people are like, well, what is it? What's the one thing? I think I've started to kind of explore these different areas and go, oh my gosh, it's this part of me. And it's a little bit of this part of me. So we're going to move into the how. All this sounds great, but how do we do it? Yeah, the good stuff. Yeah. So make a list of needs that are met and not met in the relationship that you're thinking about. Examine what is a need and what is a want. And needs and wants are both valid. So they'll be specific to you because each of us are different, obviously. So let's look at the technique. Step one, behaviors affect well-being. So just know that. Step two, how do you feel in reaction to the behavior observed? Doesn't necessarily have to be a behavior, but most things are behaviors, actually. So and then you want to say or write down, I feel X, Y, Z. Keep it short, concise, honest, kind, and true. Step three, think about the unmet need that resulted from the behavior. Step four, what is your request for the future? What would you like to be different? And when we're thinking about the unmet need, when you did not do the dishes, it made me feel blank. And get really specific with the feeling. There's anger. Well, you know, what? What is a more specific word? That's where that like wheel of emotions could come into play too. Yes, I highly recommend that. And what is the unmet need? I felt undervalued. I feel the it's inequitable. Step four, I would like for you to do the dishes after each meal that I prepare. Pretty it's simple. like so basic. So basic. But there's so many tweaks to how people may actually do it. And like if you step in there and do it in real time when you're very reactionary, it turns into this whole fight that didn't need to be a fight because it could have just been exactly what you just said that makes the other person go, oh, okay, it's giving you a feeling. That's a simple request that you gave me. I can do that the next time. I love that. Yeah. And be really compassionate with yourself and the other individual, because I think truly at our baseline, all of us are doing the best we can. And I think people often expect us to just know what they're thinking. Yeah. Because it is so basic, like the dishes, for example. Well, of course they know this. They're 52 years old. How could you not know this? Da-da-da. Yeah. Well, they may not realize the impact. They may not think. They and, may. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of times it's the, they don't see 
how it is affecting you on the inside. We're expecting them to read our minds so deeply that they can get in there and go, like when when oh when I'm not doing the dishes, it's actually making my partner or my friend or my roommate or whatever feel angry. Like mm-hmm. I, I had no idea that was going on. And sometimes it can be this simple, simple thing that's taken care of. Yeah, I always go back to the my husband used to leave a sponge in the sink all the time, and it would piss me off because it could just get squeezed out and go dry in its little corners so it didn't grow germs. And it was one of those things where it would send me over the edge when I was drinking. It was uh, such a common fight. And I think it's because I couldn't voice it. And like when I quit drinking, I said at one time, basically how you did it, I kind of was like, okay, this is not a big deal. And I can just kind of say, here's the deal. When you do this, I don't like it. And I've asked you a lot of times. It makes me feel undervalued. I keep reminding you, it has not happened again. Like it's something where it is, I mean, Obviously, it might happen every now and then, but it was one of those things where when I did it in a kind, compassionate way, it actually wasn't a problem anymore. Yeah. I think now, when avocado you... pits, that's a whole nother thing. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I found a lime in our front yard one time. I'll just leave that there. I do this. This is terrible. See, this is me not communicating, just so everybody knows. Here's my example. We live on five acres of land and sometimes trash falls out of the car, trash falls out of a kid's backpack. And I will intentionally walk by it for a week thinking someone's going to pick this up. Someone's Mm going to pick this up. Nobody picks it up. And then finally I do. And then it's like a rage situation (laughs) when I could just say, hey, guys, we know that caring for the land is a big deal. We want to protect Mother Earth. Like I could put it into so many nice ways. And mom likes to come home to a clean piece of property. It makes me feel good. Mm-hmm. And probably everybody would respond to that instead of me being mega bitch, <laughs> for lack of a better term, yeah. <laughs> when it the, happens. I've done the trash test multiple times. Don't do the trash test, you guys. Don't. This is stupid. Just like Whenever I catch myself doing it, I'm mm-hmm. like, don't do this. You're about to go into this game. So... Yeah. I'm definitely going to use this for that basic stuff that sets yeah. us off. And then all of a sudden we're in this stress spiral. When you're in a stress spiral and an anger spiral, you could turn to drinking very easily because mm-hmm. it is a quick fix. Won't solve any problems, but it'll make you feel better for a moment. Right. Yeah. This is so simple. And I think less is more. Mm-hmm. You know, write it out beforehand if needed. Practice it with a friend or your therapist, coach, whatever. And after you state your sentence, sentences, pause, take a couple deep breaths and let the other person absorb what you're saying and just kind of wait to see what they have to say. And if they say, I hear you and I need a few moments, can we circle back to this tomorrow? That's okay. Unless it's urgent, yeah. that something that needs need immediate yeah. attention. But you know, just pause. I like that advice too. Because one thing I've had to learn too is I can't control how people are going to react. Like how they react is that they own that and I own the way I can ask them to change a behavior or not even so much change a behavior, change an action really. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So these tips are so helpful. I'm so glad you did this because maybe I won't do the trash test anymore. Yeah. We might, but we have at least a few tools to when we're done spiting ourselves and being resentful and pissed off that there's a lime in the front yard, then we can go back and use these 
tips. Easy tips. So easy. You know, the hardest to learn is the least complicated sometimes. I know. That's how I feel with so many of the things that we do talk about in kind of learning how to navigate our alcohol-free life. It is also basic, but sometimes we just need a reminder. And when you're going through life as an adult, you got a lot of stuff going on. Like there's just a lot coming at us all the time. So it's hard to remember these basics and just start living our calm, peaceful life. Right. A nice little life. I hope this was helpful for y'all. I hope to see y'all in January. Come join us. We have how many calls a month, Sarah? Eight? We have eight. If you're in the Daymakers community, you get eight calls every single month. And they're all recorded. So if you miss them, you can listen to the recording. Yeah, that's cool. Hope to see y'all there. Don't forget to go follow, like, and review the podcast and share this with a friend or your partner or whomever. Maybe they could listen to it and y'all could work on it after hearing us talk and pick your trash and lines up, everybody. Everybody, pick it up for goodness (laughs) sake. (laughs) All right, guys. Thank you so much. And definitely, like Heather said, leave those reviews. So thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks, y'all. All right. Bye.